Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. Today our church celebrates the sixth Sunday of Easter and the Gospel and reminds us that the church is always under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. In fact, I would argue this Gospel for this weekend is a great teaser for Pentecost, the great solemnity of the Holy Spirit. And this is good. It's important for us to start thinking about the Holy Spirit and how appropriate it is in which Pentecost is just two weeks away. This gospel helps us to prepare for that impending celebration of Pentecost and the birthday of our church. Now appreciate in which the context in which this gospel is set in. Right now, Jesus is in the upper room with his apostles. He's celebrating the Last Supper. He knows he only has a few hours left with his apostles before he is taken away and executed. Therefore, he appreciates the gravity of this moment. Now, why is this important for Jesus? Because he is about to give his apostles what we would refer to as his last will and testament. That's what we're hearing now in the gospel for this weekend. Jesus knows his death is fast approaching. Therefore, what we hear in the gospel is he is imparting his last words of wisdom upon his apostles. Now put yourself in this place. Imagine a person you love deeply or someone that you very much admire. They tell you that they are going on a very long, great journey, probably will never see you again. Therefore, they invite you out to dinner the night before they are about to set out on that journey. And they want to talk about, you know, some important things that they've learned in their life. Or maybe there's a loved one who you know is dying. They may have a day or two left, and that person calls you. They want to talk to you. They want to tell you the deepest things that they've learned in their life. And see, in each occasion, these people want to tell you the deepest truths that they've learned in life with the express purpose of having you gain something from that so you can apply that truth in your life so that you can benefit from it. See, that's exactly what's going on in the gospel with Jesus and his apostles. Now, what do you do in this case? Well, you would listen very carefully to what this person is saying to you. You would hang on every word that they said. You would listen very intently You would pull that chair up a little bit closer to the bed. You would sit on that chair probably on the edge, you know, listening, memorizing every word that that person spoke to you so that you would never forget it. See, again, this is exactly what Jesus is saying to his apostles. Christ recognizes the gravity of this moment. The apostles, probably not, but they will later on when they recall this event. 
Now notice what Jesus says to them. The Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have told you. Our church is endowed with the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Holy Trinity. The Holy Spirit is sent by the Father in the name of the Son. That's what Jesus is telling the apostles and us in the gospel. This divine person, the Holy Spirit, is the teaching source of our church. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, we come to understand who God is, his kingdom in this world, and how we are a part of it. More to it, the Holy Spirit actively gives life to our church. We're going to see this in a couple weeks from now in the great celebration of Pentecost. And yet, the Holy Spirit continues to move in and through our church throughout the centuries, renewing it, strengthening it. great example of this is just a few weeks ago in which the cardinals met, and through the power and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, they chose Francis, our new leader in this world. See, that's just one example of how the Holy Spirit is working in and through our church, constantly renewing it. Now, Jesus, he continues, he says, Whoever loves me will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our dwelling within him. Now, later on in the gospel, in the next chapter, Jesus will tell the apostles, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Whoever remains in me will bear much fruit. Now, all these images are very organic, aren't they? They tell us precisely what we need in order to live and survive. Not just live, but to have life in abundance. Essentially, Jesus is telling us that God is the source of all life. Therefore, what's the consequence? As Jesus says, we must remain in him. Good analogy to help us understand this. A plant. A plant has to be firmly rooted into the soil in order for it to draw upon water and nutrients from the soil, not just to live, but to grow and flourish. How about a fish? A fish needs to remain in water, doesn't it, in order to be able to derive oxygen from its gills and then feed upon the other sources of food in the water. Now, with that in mind, take that plant and uproot it. Take the fish and take it out of the water. Well, what happens? Well, they both die, don't they? They're out of their natural environment. Well, what's the implication for us? Jesus tells the apostles and us, in no uncertain terms, in order for us to live and have life in abundance, we must remain in God. God alone is the source of all life. Now, realize this. When Jesus says, you know, whoever keeps my word, my father will love him. And we will come to him and make our dwelling within him. Notice how powerful that statement is. God comes to dwell within us before we even go to dwell with him in heaven. Now, let's just stop and think how powerful that is. Now, Jesus, again, he realizes his death is impending. He has only a few more hours left in this world with his apostles. He wants to make absolutely sure that they understand the seriousness of his teaching. That's why he says to them, Whoever loves me will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our dwelling within him. Jesus tells the apostles what they need to have life. 
they must keep his word, which means what? Be faithful to his teachings, the teachings of his church. Be faithful to the commandments. Keep the Sabbath holy. Go to Mass every week. Pray every day. Those are just a few ways in which we keep his word. And the Father and Christ, they will make their dwelling within us. I'll give you another analogy to help you understand this a little bit better. Say you go to a physician and you ask your physician, well, what must I do to improve upon my health or just have better health? Now, your physician will tell you, well, eat a balanced diet. Cut out fat and reduce your salt. Cut out junk food. Stop smoking. You know, sleep at least seven to eight hours a night. Exercise daily. Now, your physician knows how body functions. And if you do what he or she suggests, you will have good health. Your body will respond positively to this. Not just that, but your body will flourish from this. Now, after hearing this, you respond to your physician by saying, How dare you? How dare you tell me to do these things? How dare you impose these things upon me? Now, your physician will say, Hey, it's your choice. I'm just telling you how the body functions and how it responds positively to exercise and a good diet and rest. Hey, the choice is yours. You can take it or leave it. Herein lies the message that Jesus is giving us as well as the apostles. Jesus isn't laying down some arbitrary imposition. He's not laying down some burden upon us. No, just like a physician, Christ is merely laying down the facts for us. Just as our bodies flourish and thrive under certain conditions, for example, a good diet, rest, and exercise, so too our souls flourish and live under certain conditions, a life in Christ. And therefore, Jesus again, he reminds us, whoever loves me will keep my word, and we will come to him and make our dwelling within him. Jesus is just telling us a statement of fact. So you say, okay, so what should we do? Well, first keep his word. That's the first important thing. But also get back to the basics. Now go back to that analogy with your physician. Your physician, if he's prudent, he'll say, well, what we need to do is start off gradually. First, get rest, six to eight hours a night. Maintain a good diet. Start exercising on a regular basis. Then gradually progress after that. Then your body will get stronger and stronger. And then gradually progress to harder and more strenuous exercise. And your body will get stronger. Well, apply that to the spiritual life. You know, we have to gradually progress. But first, get back to the basics, which is what? Mass once a week. Fulfill our obligation, the third commandment, keep holy the Sabbath. So we go to Mass every weekend. Then we also pray every day. Mass every weekend, prayer every day. Those are a foundation that we can now build upon. Mass and prayer, those are concrete expressions of us living a life of faith in Christ. Well, now that we have the foundation we gradually progress, don't we? On to something more strenuous. Well, 
One way that we can become more strenuous in the spiritual life is growing in the knowledge of our faith. As I've said before, faith won't grow if you don't want to know. One of the ways in which we can grow in our faith is grow in the knowledge of our faith. So study church art, architecture, music, the lives of the saints, sacred scripture, church history. You know, our faith has so much to offer in terms of knowledge. It's important for us to grow in that knowledge and then grow in our faith. Augustine put it succinctly when he said it is faith-seeking understanding. The more we seek to understand our faith, the more our faith will grow. And therefore, it's critical to do just that. And see, when we grow in a greater knowledge of our faith, then we're able to succinctly and confidently pass it on to the next generation, to our children. And that's what's critical, being able to pass on the faith to the next generation. As I've said before, the Catholic Church is a generation away from extinction. If we do not pass on the faith appropriately to our children, then when our children grow up, they will not know how to practice it, let alone pass it on to their children. It becomes extinct. Therefore, it's critical, it's incumbent upon us to first learn the faith so that we can then pass it on to our children. Once our children know it, and then with a great deal of confidence can practice it, then they can pass it on to the next generation. And see, that's how our church flourishes. This weekend, the gospel really sets the tone for us, sets the priorities for us. We're all in it together. We must help each other grow in the knowledge of our faith. And in doing so, we help each other grow in our faith. And in doing so, we open ourselves up to allow the Holy Spirit to continue to work in and through us so that we, as a church, continue to flourish and thrive both now and the centuries to come. And may the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.